Welcome back to the Lynx Golf Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Graylin Loomis. I'm joined, as always, by co-host Ian Kreitzer. Ian, welcome to the first episode of Season 3. Great, Good to be back. Yeah. So, just to make everyone jealous, I've been slaving away in the office the last three days. What have you been doing the last three days? I have been playing host to uh, a one of the groups of golfers in our Lynx 30th anniversary event. So, we've played... In the past three days, uh, all three courses at Sea Pines, um, so Heron Point, Atlantic Dunes, and then today, actually, we were out at Harbortown. Um, perfect sunshine, little, little breeze every now and then, uh, some some mediocre golf being played over some great golf courses. So, uh, But then I have to be in the office in the afternoon, too. So <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's a trade-off, but I'll take it. Yeah, I have no sympathy for you. Yeah, that's fine. I, I, most people wouldn't anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the people in town for the Lynx 30th anniversary event is a uh, person I know that we, we both look up to, we both mm-hmm. respect, and a guy who gets a lot of... Um, uh, positive affirmation around this office. His name is Nick Edmund. Um, he is a uh, an Englishman, a uh, gentleman, and a scholar. <laughs> hey, but he has had a long career in golf. Mm-hmm. Um, and we interviewed him for the podcast today. We found out about his story, his path to get where he is today, and also his cause, um, which is Global Golf for Cancer. Yeah. And we'll get into all of that, but um, Nick is someone that uh, I think we could all learn from. And I, I know that you you spent a little bit of time with him. Um, just really quickly, tell us what it's been like to have him around. Oh, it, it means just such a such positive energy. And for those who don't know the story, like I, like you said, we'll get into it. But um, you know, he's he's uh, had a couple of rounds of uh, of cancer and is trying to raise money for the cause um, by playing by walking and playing golf holes around the world so he kicked off the american campaign uh, today, I guess last night at uh, at Harbortown. So he played the fourth hole. We raised the, the Global Golf for Cancer flag, and I played with him. And just we rode in the cart out there together. And he's just such a such a joy to be around, and such an inspirational guy. Well, I I will not wait any longer. We'll jump into that interview with Nick, and everyone will find out why he plants a, a flag. They'll find out why it's the fourth hole. They'll find out kind of his story and what Global Golf for Cancer is. So So without further ado, we'll just jump into my conversation with Nick. Nick, thank you for joining us on the Lynx Golf Podcast. It's great to have you here in the office. Um, The two of us have met before, but it's fun to have you come here and have everybody kind of come out of their offices, come out of their doors and say, oh, this is the Nick Edmund that I hear about all the time from from Jack and Nancy. And it's uh, you've joined us here on the island for our 30th anniversary event. Um, so I, I want to get to your background, but first, welcome uh, to, to back to Hilton Head. Great, and thank you very much. It's great to be back uh, with the Lynx team. So let's jump way back. Give me a little bit of your background, and I mean, you know, background in golf, not just background in global golf for cancer, which we'll get to, but where was your career? Where are you from? Um, where did that career start and where did it lead okay. you? Sure. Okay. Well, you'll, um, you'll, you'll hear the number four mentioned probably a few times in this interview. Um, but, uh, in as much as I've, I've, in a way I've had, I feel I've had four careers. Uh, the first of them, actually, I trained as a lawyer. Uh, I'm from London. Uh, I live in London now. I actually grew up in the West country of England. 
um, and uh, qualified in law and was expecting to be uh, practicing as a criminal barrister. Golf has, I suppose, seduced me all my life. And, um, well, uh, uh, career-wise, it, it, I got seduced into writing a, a book about golf courses of Great Britain and Ireland. That was a book called Following the Fairways. So that was fairly early in my legal career. And the book did very well. And somehow I transitioned from, as I, as I put it, the, uh, from, the, from the, the bar to the 19th hole. So, uh, <laughs> so, um, but it was law, look, from law to golf, but I suppose bar to the 19th hole sounds better. I like that. <laughs> so... Um, so my, my legal career was fairly short, but uh, it, it's interesting how it, it has been useful in other aspects of my of my golfing life. Um, I mentioned that the uh, the first book, Following the Fairways, uh, that came out back in uh, 1987, would you believe? That's 32 years ago, gosh. Um, but that book did 13 editions, and uh, wow. 13 or 14 editions, and uh, I, I got asked to write books about golf courses, other books about golf courses, I should say, uh, not just the British Isles, but I suppose that became my specialty, writing about particularly classic courses of Great Britain and Ireland. And, and I, I did I wrote a number of articles for Lynx magazine about precisely that subject. So from, from, from Dornock to St. Enidoc, if you like, I was uh, writing about golf for Lynx. Some, that was some 20 years ago. In between times, I think I did 27 golf books, mainly about golf courses, but I also wrote nine golf yearbooks. That was with um, it was the Heineken World of Golf, the Benson and Hedges Golf Year. I also produced and edited uh, a Ping Women's Golf Yearbook. So that was, again, that was sort of, we, we're talking about the best, best part of about 15 to 20 years ago. That's when I, through my golf writing, I was introduced to Nick Faldo or Nick Faldo's management team. And um, I think an element of my legal background and my golfing knowledge somehow com conspired, if you like. Uh, uh, and I find myself uh, involved at looking at golf course design contracts for Nick Faldo, and that led to the setting up of Faldo Design. And that was the late 1990s. So... Um, so, so there, be, there, be, there. I'd gone from the bar to uh, golf writing, and suddenly I'm now running a golf course design company. <laughs> it, an interesting kind of uh, roundabout way to get there. It, you know, it didn't start with a degree in um, landscape architecture or anything like that. No, that's right. Well, I didn't. I, you know, I've never pretended I'm a golf course architect. I knew, I knew <laughs> a fair bit about golf courses. Yeah. Well, running the team. Um, so obviously, I, I was. Uh, my legal background was useful in terms of the contracts mm -hmm. and and managing the relationships, uh, managing the con producing and managing the contracts. But then, then um, I, I'd I'd. Alongside my golf writing, I developed a, a golf marketing side, and I suppose that the client relationship was something I was very responsible for. So it was really managing our team, managing uh, Nick Faldo and the client's expectations. And it was, well, it, I, I managed Faldo Design for 15 years, and it was... Uh, a fantastic experience. It, it took me all over the world. I think I think we we did golf courses in eighteen countries in the fifteen years I was managing Felder Design. We worked from places as far apart as uh, Cam Cambodia and Australia and number Cyprus in Europe and and uh, Canada and and the United States. And so I, I think literally we worked in every continent. 
and um, a lot of air miles. Yeah, I, I was going to say in preparation for this interview, <clears throat> I did some you know, just reading. I, I know you and we talk about you a lot here in these offices. And I was thinking back to, you know, from a golf travel point of view. And of course, as a podcast, we focus a lot on golf travel. You know, where where's Nick been? And, and then it very quickly became a well, I know Nick's been here and there and there, and then it, it was, hold on, where hasn't Nick been? <laughs> and to countries that, you know, most people would never think about traveling to, you know, bringing their clubs to, uh, well, to some of these destinations. Th- that, that's right. I suppose um, most Americans wouldn't imagine Cambodia. as <laughs> exactly. They might think of the Dominican Republic, obviously, but right. that's <laughs> probably in Europe. It's the other way around. Uh, um, but, yeah, places like Cambodia. I also went to, to Uruguay in, in, in relation to golf course design projects. How about Iceland as well? So, um, Iceland, so from, from Iceland down to New Zealand. So that literally, and, and if you went east to west, then, then I suppose, I don't know, Cambodia to... Uh, uh, California. Yeah, you've covered it all. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, so, mm-hmm. well, get, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I was going to say that 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 the, the transition into the the, the fourth career, if mm-hmm. you like, if you like, which which um, I I'd, I'd worked with 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 Nick Fowler with Fowler Design for lit, exactly fifteen years, and. Uh, I guess I wanted a change. Wanted to do something different. I know I wanted to do something in golf, but. Mm. Golf course design had been fantastic in as much as it combined my interest in, in, in golf and travel. But as I say, I was perhaps looking for something different. And so um, what do you do when, you, when, you, when you're not sure what you want to do, but you want to do something different? In my case, I went on a long trek. So I, and I went to a country that golf course design was probably not going to take me to. So, well, it took me to Iceland, so where couldn't it take me? But but <laughs> Nepal, I thought, was one country it probably won't take me to. I always yep. wanted to see the Himalayas. I've been fortunate. I'd seen the seven wonders of the world, again, through golf course architecture. So throw in Peru and Jordan. Mm-hmm. But I'd never, I'd never seen the Himalayas and I always wanted to. And there I was, as I say, thinking about what my what my next career might be, and uh, I got involved or participated in a trek in the Himalayas, which was organised by Macmillan Cancer Support, who are a big uh, second biggest cancer charity in the UK. They do one wonderful work. I had had this is I'm going back five or six years now. Mm-hmm. I had no personal connection with cancer. Um, Sixty people were going on this trek. Half the people did have a connection. They were walking, if you like, in the Himalayas for someone, or they might have been in remission themselves. Two, in fact, were spreading ashes in the Himalayas. Mm. Uh, the, the other, the rest of the group were like me, curious uh, to see the Himalayas, if you like, but but doing it for a good cause because we were all raising money. Mm. On that trek was the head of fundraising for Macmillan. She was a golfer and uh, she was interested in my my golfing background, and I was increasingly interested in in the work that they did and and. Uh, it hadn't crossed my mind to be involved really in 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 charitable work but uh, the more i the more i thought about it that and, and the great work they did i i i was i kept thinking to myself i wonder if there's some some way i can connect golf with cancer at the time specifically their charity mm-hmm. now they talk macmillan talk a lot about the number four being a significant number because of 
uh, one in four people affected or directly, indirectly or directly affected by cancer in their lifetime. In the UK, there are four million people uh, affected by cancer, um, four stages of cancer, which I wasn't aware of uh, prior to that walk, as I say. But I knew that four was a big number in golf for all the re- for all the reasons golfers know, whether it's whether it's shouting four or yeah. it's four <laughs> balls, foursomes, four major championships, four days of most tournaments, mm-hmm. so many things uh, that, that four is, is uh, a significant number. And so I thought if I could combine, uh, as I say, you know, golf with, with cancer, initially it was going to be golf for Macmillan. And how golf for Macmillan, the word might trip off the tongue, but how do you, how do you translate that into, into some kind of a, an active campaign? And so... I, Knowing that in the UK there were two and a half thousand golf courses um, and certainly one million serious golfers, maybe maybe two million casual golfers, mm-hmm. perhaps even four million occasional golfers, but but um, it, it's certainly a, a, a good number of golfers and, and two and a half thousand golf courses. And so I thought, well, what 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 does every golf course have in common? And the answer is, of course, it has a fourth hole. So so there was my. M- thinking about this number four, I thought, how about if on the fourth hole we could have a message, a cancer awareness message? And so that led to, to the idea of the flag, the flag saying something along the lines of golf for Macmillan. Mm-hmm. And so on the fourth hole, and um, to cut a long story short, as they say, Macmillan liked the idea and thought maybe we could get 40 or 50 golf courses flying this special flag, cancer awareness flag, on the fourth hole. And and. I thought it was a very. Uh, I thought the idea made sense because golf is probably the the, the 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 sport where a flag is is most integral to the game. You stand on the tee, you aim at the flag. It's your goal, mm-hmm. your aspiration to, to get to the green, you and you get to the green. <laughs> you you pick up the flag, you put it down. In fact, now they've of course changed the rules. You can even leave the flag <laughs> in. So I mean, um, the flag is is as I say, it's integral to the game, and so. I thought that that was a good idea, and, and as I say, so did the charity that I'd made the, the proposal to. Anyway, then then life is full of ironies, isn't it? I then go and get cancer. So I got cancer, head and neck cancer, it's called, which I had not heard of that form of cancer. Um, I, was, I probably had the cancer at the time I was walking in the Himalayas, but I didn't know about it. And suddenly I woke up one morning with a, with a big lump in my neck and soon discovered that in fact it was more than one lump in my neck and it, it resulted in significant surgery of my neck and and radiotherapy following that and um it put the it put me and the idea on the back burner for a while but the the, the two things that i suppose emerged from that 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 uh, are the reason why this campaign is now is now um developing successfully uh, are that it it certainly strengthened my resolve to, to make this happen I suppose in a way there was a thinking that this was sort of meant to be a bit, but um, and there were lots of stories, lots of things that happened around that time that, that, as I say, made me think maybe this was sort of meant to be. But perhaps most significantly, so many people had said to me, Nick, this is a great idea, the idea of flying a special flag on the fourth hole. Why just do it in the UK? Because golf is such a global game. You know, every, every hole, as you say, has a fourth hole, but but where there, whereas there may be two and a half thousand golf courses in the UK, there are, what is it, 50,000 courses around the world? Yes. Yep. 60 million golfers. So a massive global game. And of course, 
what's the other thing that's global? Sadly, cancer. And so that's where the idea of global golf for cancer emerged. But the idea hadn't changed, really. My, my personal situation had changed. And as I say, I had... Um, extra motivation if you like but but and I knew that it had strengthened the story because I did I did wonder with with that people might at golf clubs might think well this chap hasn't had cancer why is he promoting this idea it's just it's just a, the way people can think and so I knew that people probably wouldn't question why I was now promoting a campaign for golf courses to fly a special flag I, I suspect most people assume that it's because I, I had suffered from cancer, but that is that is how Global Golf for Cancer started. Interesting. So for those um, who don't follow Nick on social media or have visited, visited his website, Global Golf for Cancer is um, the charitable organization that, that you run. Um, I want to get into what you've done uh to raise awareness um, because it's both inspirational and from a golf travel point of view, something that uh, it, some of these feats are things that golf travelers would think, oh, if I had all the time in the world and, you know, a, a lot more energy than, than I do have, I, maybe I would do something like Nick Edmonds done. But just uh, really quickly, tell us about the, um, uh, the results of what Global Golf for Cancer does. I mean, I, I, it's your charitable organization, but but what does it do? Okay, well, in a nutshell, the idea is to get the glo- the global golfing community supporting can- various cancer initiatives around the world. If you like, flying the flag for cancer fighters around the world, and it does it by this special flag flying on the fourth hole. Now, when when I wanted to launch this idea, as I said, now global stage, lots of golf courses around the world. How am, I, how am I going to draw attention, if you like, to to this campaign? Well, I decided I wanted to launch in the west of Ireland. I'm, I'm not Irish. I've spent a lot of time playing wonderful golf courses in Ireland. But it just seemed to me that that was, that was the country that would probably be the most receptive to the idea of, of golf courses pioneering, flying this flag, if you like. And so... Um, I went over to Ireland, spoke with a number of people who were promoting golf in Ireland who all of whom welcomed the idea and said golf courses will support this. And so and I was also introduced to a, a, a West of Ireland charity that, that seemed a very, very appropriate fit and that along with Global Golf for Cancer, I would help promote specifically this campaign, this charity in Ireland if I were launching a campaign in Ireland. How to launch it with impact, that's what I wanted to do. And well, one day I, I woke up with the crazy idea that whilst it would be very good for me to play these fourth holes, how about... I visit all the fourth holes along the west of Ireland, and there, there is a there is a, a coastal route called the Wild Atlantic Way, which is two thousand kilometres or one thousand twelve hundred miles long, and it starts right at the top and it finishes at the bottom. So I say it starts at the top; it starts near, at a place called Malinhead, but for golfers, it starts near a place called Ballyliffin, and it finishes at Old Head of Kinsale. For golfers, a place called Old Head Golf Links, two iconic, two pretty iconic golf courses, and um, but they are two thousand kilometres or over a thousand miles apart walking, and I decided I was going to walk this route with a set of golf clubs on my back. As I say, slightly crazy idea, but I thought it would draw attention. It would give me the opportunity to play all of the all of the fourth holes along the way, create a relationship with the golf club. So I set off and uh, I worked out it was probably going to take me four months to walk from Ballyliffin to Old Head via the likes of 
Ballybunion, La Hinch, Tralee, Waterville, all those wonderful golf courses that are literally around the wild Atlantic Way, west coast of Ireland. It would take me four months. I didn't want to walk during the summer months because the roads are busy, plus the sun has, has, had been a big uh, factor in the cancer I'd had and so I thought I'll do a spring walk and I'll do a, a, an autumn walk of two months each and which is so I set off uh, this is now March 2017 I did the first thousand kilometers and visited the first 20 golf clubs played the fourth hole and we raised the four flag as we say at those golf courses the, those courses that are now regularly flying this flag and I took the summer off and then uh, was all ready to start the second half in, in October of uh, 2017 but unfortunately I then went down with an even more serious uh, head and neck cancer in as much as I needed to have a new scalp um, which um, w was pretty shocking at the time but again I, I've always been fortunate that I can I suppose I have a very glass half full approach to life but I always thought well I know some how do you take positives from this I knew it would make the story my story stronger um, and it, it making the story stronger would increase awareness of what I was doing and, and it also gave me I was determined to finish the walk and, and of course I couldn't walk that autumn but I thought I'm going to finish this walk in the following spring and sure enough on, on March the 4th 2018 I returned to where I'd uh, left off if you like in, in Galway and then I walked all the way to Old Head and I played the fourth hole at Old Head of Kinsale or Old Head Golf Links which is one an amazing fourth hole right on cliffs 200 foot above the ocean and a, and a lighthouse behind the fourth green it was a perfect place to finish the walk and during that walk, I really I came up with a plan of how to how to develop this campaign globally. I thought I'm going to do four walks, and the second walk, of course, had to be the home of golf. I had to had to go to Scotland, and so so um, the second walk I, I, I termed I was going to or decided I was going to walk from Turnbury to Dornoch, so the southwest of Scotland to the to the far north, again linking two iconic golf courses. Mm. And I, I put a plan together that I would call into 25 of the best golf links in Scotland. So obviously all the Open Championship courses, yep. the St Andrews and the Muirfields, but also the Presswicks and the Cruden Bays. And visit these 25 golf courses, play the fourth hole, raise the flag, finish at Dornoch just before, well, in December. And um, and then, then work on a third and a fourth walk. Well... Again, unfortunately, I had a third uh, cancer um, situation, uh, this time on my forehead, just before I was about to start the third, the third walk. So this is, I'm going back to now last autumn. But it didn't stop me starting the walk. I had to break for some radiotherapy treatment. I had the surgery before the walk. I started, started at Turnbury and headed off in the direction of Presswick. And, um, but once I'd done the Asia coast, I had to go back for treatment in London. But I then resumed the walk in November, now knowing that I probably wouldn't finish until Christmas. Mm -hmm. But let's take a positive out of this. It meant I could go through St. Andrews on St. Andrews Day. And in fact, I was joined by my two surgeons who, who, who've now operated on me three times. And um, they joined me. I played the first four holes at St. Andrews. I thought it was a long way for them to come up and just play one one <laughs> hole with me. So uh, we played the four, first four holes at St. Andrews on St. Andrews Day, the 29th of November. I then carried on to, um, there, was an, there, was, there was a boat journey, which I won't go into, that, that I somehow somehow uh, survived. And um, I obviously went via Carnoustie and Royal Aberdeen, etc. And, and I got to Dornoch three days before Christmas now because of the delay. Wow. And um, so the 25th, uh, 
again, I, what, what an iconic place to finish Royal Dawn at one of the great courses of the world. I played the fourth hole there, 22nd of uh, December, and um, got myself ready for the third walk, which has been this spring. Um, obviously, I'm talking to you in, in, in May. Uh, I spent the whole of March walking around Northern Ireland. That was the third walk. I thought Northern Ireland made sense because this year they have the Open Championship, of yep. course, and um, probably a shorter walk as well, which wasn't a bad idea because it was so soon after Scotland. But but nonetheless, I did a four-week walk from Loch Erne, which was um, a golf course I had, had a, do have a fondness for because of um, that was a, the project we did at Faldo Design. And um, it's only one of Nick Fowler's finest golf courses. And so we went from Locker. I went from Locker, I should say. I've done all of this solo. But um, so from Locker and headed north, then right across the Causeway Coast, calling in at Royal Port Rush, of course, en route, the Giants Causeway and, and through Belfast. Got some funny looks as I walked through Belfast. <laughs> and um, but, but I visited a total of 20 courses and the 20th one, which was at the end of March, was Royal County Down. And again, if you want to, if you want to finish on a, 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 a dramatic golf hole, then maybe the the the, the par three fourth at Royal County Down is is pretty hard to top. But that was uh, that was the end of the third walk. I am almost speechless. I mean, I I know what you've done, but to hear you recount it just now is it's amazing. I mean, <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. I I want to just dip kind of into the weeds into the logistics a little bit how many miles were you doing a day on average yeah on average um certainly when i was doing the wild atlantic way in ireland um i was well in kilometers i know i worked it out as 23 which is about about 14 miles a day with my golf clubs but to be honest that the golf clubs on my back uh, um they weren't the hardest part. The hardest part was the fact that I'd had a, a new hip replacement three months before I started the walk. <laughs> and I, I don't know, I suppose I had to focus, I was focusing on um, how painful my leg was. And, and, and one, I was, I was, I just wanted to make sure that my leg didn't give up on me. Um, and, and maybe that stopped me thinking about the, you know, the cancer situations. You, you, you're always going to be worrying about something, aren't you? And, yeah. and so, you know, maybe that, that, that certainly focused my mind, but, yeah. What did your orthopedic surgeon say about your hip? Well, did, yeah. Did, did they bring up a rehab plan? She said, don't worry, I have the rehab plan. This was the I rehab plan. I 1,200 miles across <laughs> Ireland. I told him I was going on a long walk. Yes, I, I, didn't, I didn't tell him I had golf clubs on my back. Um, but but uh, I, think, I think now he, he, he wants to promote me as an example of what you can do on a, on a, on a, on a new hip, actually. Um, but yeah, and, and the, the, the fourth walk, that'll be hard to do 30 miles a day because my fourth walk uh, that I've got planned um, is going to be the Camino in, in northern Spain at the end of this year. Wow. Um, I, I, whilst this is a global campaign, I, I, I was never really going to be walking in hot countries and, and um, because, as I say, each of the three cancer situations I've had ultimately go back to me having 
damaged skin mm. because of overexposure to the sun and my fair skin, etc. So I have to be very careful about that. And uh, by the way, I'm I, I, I'm obviously slightly crazy. You've gathered that, but I'm, <laughs> there's one thing walking around Ireland and Scotland, but walking across America or walking across South Africa or Australia is just it's just not going to happen. Yeah, so <laughs> I think so. But the, the, the walking across northern Spain during the winter um, will be um, um, well. Hopefully, it'll be a big story. And the reason it'll be a big story is because I plan to... uh, there aren't so many golf courses that I'll be calling into and playing the fourth hole, but there's one very, very special one, and that's where uh, at um, uh, where Seve learned his his game. So, um, sorry, I'm trying to think of the name of it. it, it uh, it'll be special. Yeah, it, no, it'll, it'll I'm, really I'm special. going to. Uh, sorry, I'm going to. Um, Play the fourth hole at Pedrina, uh, which is where, of course, Seve learnt his uh, learnt his game and grew up and and with his brothers, and I'm, and uh, Seve died of brain cancer, so it's going to be quite an emotional experience. But um, I'm going to play it with one of his sons and with Jose Maria Alathabal. So oh, wow. that'll be that'll be a story, and it, ultimately it, it is all about stories, and so. Um, that's really why the fourth walk is going to be the Camino. I mean, it's 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 going to have a a, a, a dramatic route route through the some of the hills of northern Spain. Hopefully, not too hilly. <laughs> well, hey, you know, if the pace slows, hey, you'll that's so right. You'll have ascended elevation. Wow, that's going to be special. Now, you've received some support from other Spaniards, I know as well, including tennis star Rafa Nadal. Hey, tell me about some of the support you've received um have clubs been receptive to, to planting the, the flag on the fourth i mean I, I, what has that whole process been clubs have been incredibly receptive um as i said to you i thought ireland was the right place to start it i thought the clubs would be probably the most receptive and uh every club in ireland was incredibly supportive but that's been repeated in in scotland and in northern ireland as i've done the walks I suppose the next stage was how receptive would clubs be if I wasn't doing a, you know, 1,000 kilometre walk <laughs> right. or, or whatever. But so, and indeed, how, how receptive would clubs be outside of Great Britain and Ireland, which is if it, my home, as it were. Well, in February this year, um, in between walking Scotland and walking Northern Ireland, I spent uh, two weeks in South Africa visiting 20 of the top golf clubs from Durban Country Club to Royal Cape to Royal Johannesburg, some of the best resorts, the fan courts, the Zimbales, etc. And uh, visited 18 clubs uh, and every club was in unbelievably supportive. And, and the idea is that they will fly the flag four times a year. It's all about the number four, as you've gathered. Mm-hmm. So the 4th of January, the 4th of April, 4th of July and 4th of October are what I call Global Golf for Cancer Awareness Days. And those are special days when I ask clubs to, to, to fly the flag. And on the 4th of April, all of the clubs in South Africa flew the flag and, and we linked with a... Uh, a, a children's charity in South Africa and it's raised an awful lot of awareness for them and I know it's also I'm focusing at the moment on, on, on the awareness but I know that, that both directly and indirectly there's been a lot of resultant fund, fundraising as well so um, it's uh, uh, South Africa was was as I say that 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 took it to another level in the in as much as it now had gone to another continent Global Golf Cancer had gone to the campaign had gone to another continent and um and in fact, uh, last month in April, I 
spent some time in Canada uh, visiting a number of the top golf clubs in Canada and once again the reception has been was uh, frankly overwhelming and so uh, I'm looking forward this year to launching a North American campaign both in Canada and the United States and of course that's uh, one of the reasons I'm here now. That brings us perfectly to today. What did you do today and where are Global Golf for Cancer flags flying as we speak, because I, I know there are two special places. In there the are, States. there are. the 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 U.S. campaign will officially start, as, as I like to say, on the fourth of July. Uh, I can't think why I'd pick the fourth of July. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, as, as I said, it's one of it's fourth of July is one of the Global Golf for Cancer Awareness Days, anyway. But 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 obviously, in the United States, it's a special date, and the fourth uh, of July is what two months away mm -hmm. i wanted to make an i wanted to announce the event or launch the event launch the campaign if you like by it's all about stories and i thought if i can get the flag flying at a special place on the east coast and a special place on the west coast simultaneously and and by chance lynx was of course having its 30th celebratory event um, here in Hilton Head and uh, at Seapoint Resort, which of course includes the iconic Harbour Town Golf Links. Yeah. And so the flag is going to be flying today at Harbour Town and it's also going to be flying on the west coast at a rather famous venue called Pebble Beach. And in fact, the flag is always flown on the fourth hole for obvious reasons. There's a big four on it, but it's Global Golf for Cancer and it flies on the fourth hole and it's flying on the fourth hole at Harbour Town. But at Pebble Beach, it's actually going to be flying on the seventh hole. And of course, that's a very iconic golf hole, that amazing par <laughs> three par on three. the Pacific, yeah. the par three. But of course, it's the seventh. So you've got... This is the 4th of July, so there's a flag flying on the 4th and there's a flag flying on the 7th, one on the West Coast and one on the East Coast. So it's that, that, that's kind of neat. So that's signifying that the, the campaign will start on the 4th of July. I love that coast to coast, looking out kind of towards the Atlantic here on Hilton Head and toward the Pacific. And right there's there. also a, there's also a lighthouse on the fourth hole at, at Harbour Town, yeah. which which I think is important as well because a, a lighthouse, like 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 a flag, is is, is it's, it's it's symbolic of of hope and and. Um, a lighthouse has featured uh, in the Global Golf for Cancer campaign at two other significant occasions. As I finished my walk at Old Head Golf Links, that spectacular fourth green we talked about right behind there, there is a lighthouse. And my next walk, of course, in Scotland at Turnbury, where there's a pretty famous One of lighthouse famous too. Lighthouses. Yeah, that, that that's right. Yeah, so I have to go around the world now looking for lighthouses. <laughs> I love it. So I want to get some travel tips from you, but tell everyone listening where can they find kind of your information? Where can they help support you? Where could they reach out to you with? questions or invitations to fly a fourth flag or a where can they reach you they can they can reach me uh, they can follow me for a start they can follow me uh, at gg4cancer so gg figure four cancer both on twitter and on instagram but our website has uh, quite a lot of information and it's quite a visual website and that's globalgolf4cancer.org Perfect. I, I check in on you via social media all the time, and I know you're active as well. I, I get, I love your comment to you. Uh, I always go to you when I'm going over to England for a golf trip, and you were showing me some love recently. So they, thank you for that. 
I want to end uh, our interview today with a couple travel tips. I, this is a golf travel podcast. We're talking to one of the most well-traveled people I know and someone who's walked <laughs> to many of these <laughs> destinations and flown and, and driven. But let's just keep the, the travel tips Ireland-focused. Of the courses you saw on Ireland's West Coast, give us a, a couple that you would suggest our listeners consider visiting that they might not have heard of before. What are some of the lesser-known gems that, that they should add to a, an Ireland itinerary? Okay, well, the, I guess the southwest of Ireland is, is the most commonly visited part. So uh, as, as, as magical as Ballybunion and Lynch, which this year, of course, has got the Irish Open, are and Tralee and Waterville, etc. I, I suspect if you go and the far north is becoming popular, and obviously this year with with Portrush in Northern Ireland hosting the Open, Ballyliffin, which had the Irish Open last year, is now getting you know quite a lot of interest. But but in between, well, so I'm going to say two thirds of the way up on on the west coast of Ireland, um, there's an area that 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 has room for a few more visitors I would I would say and and some incredibly spectacular courses people may have heard of Ross's Point County Sligo Golf mm-hmm. Club but Ross's Point has recently been uh, renovated refurbished if you like and and is even stronger and and stunning backdrop of course table mountain like backdrop just further along the coast from there there is Enniscrone Mm-hmm. And further along from that, you reach the real Wild West, and there's a golf course called Carn, which um, is is uh, probably the biggest dunes you'll ever see. And in a, in a town called Belmullet, which is a bit like the Wild West probably was 150 <laughs> years ago with Guinness. But um, so yeah, imagine that. Um, but but yeah, that that uh, that area along it's northwestish. Of Ireland is is um, perhaps a little not not as well known as it as it might be. I love that. Perfect. I, I think everyone's jotting that down eh, as they listen to this. And as I think about it, there, there, there are a couple a couple more golf courses that uh, not that far from there, but in the northwest. But uh, I've mentioned that Ballyliffin um, it, it has been discovered, if you like, and it had the Irish Open and. and Again, Nick Faldo had, had certainly had a hand in 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 discovering Ballyliffin for people, but um, not far from there, a place called Rossapenna, and another place, uh, Rossapenna. Again, a few people have heard of Rossapenna. It's 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 got it's got two fantastic golf courses, a very nice hotel, it's a, it, and the most amazing beach. And near near Rossapenna is a place called Port Salon. And that has got, I know, it's got a beach that was once voted the seventh best in the world. Probably wow. the seventh chilliest in the world as well, <laughs> mind you. But, but seriously, the scenery is is to die for and, and a fantastic link, pure links golf course. So Port Salon, Rossapenna, Enniscrone, Khan, and go and pay Ross's Point another visit. Okay. And a final point. <clears throat> for those who are going over to Ireland and are going to be doing a lot of walking. Now, not nearly as much walking as you did, but let's say they're going over and they're going to play six or seven rounds in six or seven days. What's one thing that they should uh, prioritize or think about? My mind goes to having two pairs of shoes, for instance, because you're probably going to encounter some wet days and slipping on a wet pair of shoes that next morning is one of the worst feelings in the world. But what what is 
a key thing that people should think about. And if they're going walking, walking or just going to be walking a ton of golf courses throughout the course of their trip. Well, if they're walking off the off the golf course yep. and the scenery is unbelievable in the west of Ireland. But if there's one thing I've learned, for goodness sake, wear a visibility jacket. It's yeah. I never really thought about that in the same way as I suppose people didn't think about seatbelts until they became obligatory. Yep. I would make it the law that you, you should not be out walking without a high visibility jacket. I say that as somebody who's, who's walked 2,000 kilometres in Ireland and, and pr- probably owe my life to a visibility jacket. Wow. And for those who haven't been to, to Ireland's west coast, these are small roads with hedges and blind corners and and from my memory of, of my single visit out there uh, a lot of the locals really know their way around a lot of the visitors really don't know their way around and you have this mix of some people flying in their cars other people you know kind of creeping along um worst americans on the wrong side of the road i I mean i'm sure you saw it all but hey that's a great interesting point and i think for anyone who goes back on on your instagram and, and looks at the pictures that were taken of you you know you kind of had your um it was a, a familiar scene, your walking sticks, your high visibility vest, your golf clubs on your back. You know, I almost wish I'd been driving around and just seen, oh, yep, that's Nick. He's coming down the road. <laughs> no, you, yeah, you mentioned walking, st- the, the walking poles. Yes, again, I mean, I'd never if you asked my wife five years ago. I was not a good walker. I never, I, 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 I walking to the nearest bus stop or the train station was a, was a task for me so um uh, um yeah it seems it seems bizarre the amount of golf walking as i call it i've done but walking poles were 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 if the visibility jacket were, were, is what kept me safe the walking poles is what enabled me to do it because i i found them an in in, in well, they made an incredible difference. I mean, it's as if they were pulling me forward. That's mm. how I. That's how I felt. The walking poles um, made the difference. It was. It was that. It was obviously taking some of the pressure off my dodgy right leg, um, but it was also there was that sense of of you know they were they were um, they gave me balance and they and they it's as if they they propelled me forwards, um, but but I really really would if it is. Walking around golf courses is, is is fantastic, and that's that's the only real way to play golf. The only real way to play links golf is is mm-hmm. to is to walk, provided you physically can, of course. But um, and I'd always recommend people walk golf courses if they can because you just see so much, and there's of course the rhythm of the game. But but if you do get the chance to go and walk around Ireland, just go for short walks. Just go just go for to the local pub for your pint of Guinness after your game of golf or whatever. Go out for a meal, but if if you can walk a bit, it, yeah, the scenery is amazing, but it's just that experience of of seeing it on the ground and, and interacting then with people. I mean, you know, we haven't got into, I could tell you a zillion stories about, about the adventures I had walking yeah. around, which wouldn't have happened if I'd been on a bike, never mind in a car. Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> Nick, I've loved having you here. I, I know that... Um, 
you are uh, an inspirational figure to everybody in this office. So keep doing what you're doing. I know that uh, Lynx readers already love you. For those who have not read Nick's articles, you can find a lot of writing from Nick at lynxmagazine.com. But follow Nick on social media, visit the website, support where you can. And um, Nick, hopefully we'll have you back for, for another episode. Um, you know, I, uh, many uh, flag plantings from now. Many flag plantings from now. Well, uh, well, th- I mean, first of all, thank you, Graylin, for, for and and Lynx Magazine for for having me on the show, as it were. But uh, yes, absolutely, I'd love to come back. And in two years' time, you know, I'd love to sit down and 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 say to you, the flag is flying at four hundred golf courses around the world, and it's flying on all six continents. And well, it it should be flying on all six continents by the end of this year. And so by the end of the following year. Th- that's the goal. 400 courses around the world, all flying a flag for cancer fighters worldwide. Knowing you and knowing your, um, you know, your will, that's going to happen. So it will help how we can. Well, Nick, thank you. Thanks again. And we'll talk to you later. Thank you very much. Ian, I, I know that both of us have loved having Nick around this week. He's someone that we've wanted to have on the podcast for uh, months. I mean, I, I remember since we started the podcast. Since really. we started, really, yeah. he, he has been on our kind of idea sheet uh, since day one. And so, the, and the fact that he was able to be in in town and in person, we just worked out too perfectly. It made too much sense not to not to have him on. So it makes it even better. Yeah, yeah. Um, I hope that everyone enjoyed that. I hope that everyone will go to Nick's website and follow Nick on social media. And hey, as you heard, a lot of what he he does is just raising awareness about causes that are out there. So. Um, you know, he, he's, he is, uh, merely asking for people's attention and, and wants to spread the word about, yeah, causes that should be out. And, um, I, I commend what he's doing Absolutely. and I know you do too. It, it's amazing. It really is. So with that, we're going to wrap up, uh, episode one of season three and call it a day. Cool. Looking forward to the next one.